David, I am in labor. You better call the doctor. No, you're not. I said, David, I lost my mucus plug and I threw up. What's that? I never heard of that. That doesn't mean anything. And then I just said, look, this is my phone. Read it. He said, I don't need to read that. I said, call the doctor. He finally calls the doctor. The doctor hears me in the background, every contraction. <gasps> he said, oh, well, she sounds like she's in a lot of pain. She should come in. Right. Because I was having a baby. But it was inconvenient for him because he was going out. Hey, single dad, why are you mad, family? So we're back for part two of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, featuring David's co-parent, Habiba. And we are picking up right where we left off with two months into living together. Single dad, why are you mad? 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 Okay, so two months of you living together. And so, couple of things. Did you ever threaten to kick him out during that time? I didn't threaten to kick him out until after um, I was pregnant. And at that point, a lot of things had happened. And Actually, I don't think I asked him to leave until after Miles was born. So anyway, a lot was happening. Again, with that whole, there was like some instance where, you know, he was just really trying to control me. I remember we got into an argument one evening. And this is the other thing. I was working full time, 10 to 6, and then I was going to school from 7 to 9.45 p.m. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So by the time I would get home, it would be like 11 p.m. He was complaining about me not cooking. Um, he was complaining about like me not keeping the house together. And I'm just like, dude, I'm, I get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and I don't get home until 11 p.m. at night. This is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because I was trying to graduate early. Right. It was my grinding, hustling time. So I, first of all, I'm not a domestic goddess on a good day. I certainly was not a domestic goddess during that period in my time of, of my life. And, you know, he was making comments about that. And he was judging me and critiquing me on that, insulting me about that. And... I was also drinking a lot, too, because I was just really stressed. Anyway, long story short, I needed to get counseling at that point because I just like, this is, I can't live like this. This is before we were pregnant. So we ended up going to a couple sessions, which did not go well. And then in my mind, I was ready for it to be done. Right. I was going to tell him, hey, you know, it's not working out. I think you should move out. I was going to have that conversation literally like a day or Two later, I found out I was pregnant. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, now I'm pregnant in this relationship that I know is not going to work. And I remember telling my sister that I was pregnant. And I was happy about being pregnant. I was happy about the idea of having a baby. And I knew that he would be happy about the baby too. The, the biggest compliment I can say about David is I knew that he would be a good father. So that is the reason why I agreed to move forward with dating with him and all that. It wasn't just because he was funny and charming, all that stuff. It was also because I knew that he would be a very good father. So, oh, go ahead. So I'm sorry. He wanted a child. I knew that he wanted children. Right. And I knew, and one of my biggest fears is having a child with someone who, who abandons the child. So I've never been abandoned, but I, that was always my biggest fear is that I would have a child with someone who would who not. Who wasn't interested in being a dad. 
Yeah. So in previous episodes and previous conversations, David has touched on the fact that like the way he phrased it is like your pheromones were talking to each other. So both of you knew both of you knew like, hey, this is a mess. We may not necessarily we don't necessarily need to be together, but both of you wanted a baby on some level. And I was saying it was a mess. He was not saying it was a mess. Maybe he thought it in his head, but he never expressed to me that he didn't think it was gonna work out. Right. I mean I, I I've shared this you know, just anecdotally and, you know, being the dude who does the, the, the deconstruction and the, the research on this kind of stuff. Like, very often, men don't express that because we're programmed to believe there's a certain level of misery that comes along with coupling. So it's like, oh, she's upset. Well, they're always upset. Or, you know, we're not getting along. Or we're not vibing. Well, you know, that's the way it's supposed to work. You know, everything yeah. else is functioning. And women are mercurial and you know, it's just the way it works. So, and it's, it's interesting because I say even in my situation, it was in retrospect. Like, anytime somebody talks to me about being divorced and they go, well, you know, what was the, the biggest problem or, or the most embarrassing thing? I said, the most embarrassing thing about my divorce was that I wasn't the one who had the God-given sense to realize that this shit was broken. Yeah. But it's also, we're not programmed or trained to see that. So, you also mentioned, like, some of the things that you and David have in common. You talk about like the idea of the defensiveness and the fear of abandonment. And you said like you weren't abandoned. So where does it come from on your, on your side? So my mom and dad uh, were married and mm-hmm. my dad is from Guinea, West Africa. Okay. And my mom is from Jersey City and her family is from the South, from Georgia. So I'm African and African-American. <laughs> I'm really African American. <laughs> I'm like the real African American. Like, like my State Farm agent, who was a blonde haired, blue eyed woman from South Africa, but she's African American. Right? right, exactly, exactly. So, um, so they were together, I think, until I was around two or three, and then they divorced. Mm-hmm. And, and then my dad moved back to Guinea. Um, so I didn't see him very often at all. So, I, for most parts, I would say that I grew up as a, in a single parent home you know it was just myself and my sister and my mom and I didn't have a very um strong relationship with my dad and I was actually very resentful toward him for a number of years Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't until a little bit after my divorce because I didn't tell my dad I got divorced either for a while because I knew it would my father was very He's very traditional. He's an African male Muslim man, and he's the firstborn. And birth order is a huge part of of everything. So if you're the firstborn male, you are the leader of the family. Right. You have all the responsibilities. Everyone's coming to you for everything. And you have lots of control in that position. You're telling your brothers and sisters, who may not be that much younger than you, what to do and they're doing it it's a very huge level of respect and power and i felt like my father was very strict with me and just very controlling and he wasn't there a lot he ended up remarrying and um i have like 10 half brothers and sisters and his his new wife he has two wives actually now they're all african and they're you know they're all west african all from guinea and the life of a woman, a girl and a woman in that culture. And I'm I'm speaking from an outsider because I didn't grow up with my father. I didn't grow up in those values. But from the outside looking in, 
-hmm. It's so restrictive in terms of your power, in terms of your agency, in terms of anything. It's not equal. You know, I found out later that a number of my half sisters were got the vaginal mutilation, um, you know, so that they can't experience pleasure during sex. So like to me, anything to do with a man controlling me or a man like I'm not with, I want you to get your foot off my neck. And it may not be that those things are, they're, you know, doing that. But I, I feel that way about inequality when it comes to the sexes. Like, I don't want to be someone's slave. I do not want to be controlled. I do not want to be told what to do. I want to be respected for my ideas. Women are not respected in that manner. And so I, yeah, I didn't want anything to do with that. But back to the abandonment piece, that's the part of it where... I didn't want my son, my kid, daughter or son, to be raised in a f- family where, you know, the father wasn't there. You know, I clearly I'll be there, you know, um, but not, I had a big fear about being abandoned by my partner. And so realistically, like, you know, if we go back and, and you know, or we, we, actively listen to what you just shared there is absolutely a level of abandonment there there is absolutely yeah absolutely the the dissolution of you know your mother and father's relationship your father taking off to another country and how often did you see your father during the time since since he's moved back to guinea how often have you seen your dad um so when i was younger it was way it was much more often so like three or four times a year and then it's gotten less and less. And then he actually reached out to me over the years to kind of melt, mend our relationship. Mm-hmm. And at the time that he reached out to me, I wasn't ready. I, I, I remember I was still like in college or something. I wasn't ready to mend things with my dad until after uh, my divorce and after, really after I donated my kidney to my mom. So like in 2015 or so. And that's when he gives me this big talk about, because he found out about the divorce. He's like, you need to have a children. You need to have family. You need, that's your only purpose in life. You need to have legacy. You need to have, you know, all those things. And I never gotten pressure from my mom to have children, but I always wanted to be a mom, but it wasn't because I felt pressure from my, from my mom. My dad just gave me all of this like guilt and pressure and like, kind of like my life was going to be a complete disaster if I didn't have children. So I had all of that energy. Right. And so you, you have all this energy. You're getting this pressure from your dad to have kids. You and David are both biologically ready, right? So two months into living together, you're knocked up now. Right? Yeah. In that two months, you've gone to therapy. Therapy has been a shit show. Yeah. Right. So what was the pregnancy like? So there was a very slight honeymoon period, maybe two days, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, you know, like we were just, you know, I guess like really excited. Um, I had decided that I was going to try to make it work. I remember talking to my sister the first time I told her that I was pregnant. Um, and I told her five minutes after I found out, you know, I told David first and then I told my sister. I called her up and I remember telling her and 
she was happy for me, but she said to me, she was near tears. She said, you don't have to stay with him. And I said, I know, I know I don't have to. And she said, you know, don't feel like you need, you need to be with him in order to have this baby. She's like, we'll be here. We want you to be safe. We don't want you to feel like you have to stay in that relationship. Cause it was very, it was, it was very volatile. I mean, I was screaming too. And I know I said things to him that hurt him and he was hurting me. And it was just really, it was just really messy. And she was really worried that it was going to be really bad for the baby. I was worried about that too. So I, most as, as much as possible, I tried to, I made a resolution with myself that I was going to try to make this work. And I didn't want to make any decisions until after the baby was born, until after Miles came. Because I was like, I don't know. They say that your hormones are supposed to be crazy when you're pregnant. Like you just really shouldn't make any decisions while you're pregnant. It's just not the move. You're not clear headed. And so I just try to muddle through and, um, all the same problems that we had before just became escalated except now that I was pregnant, he wouldn't touch me. He would talk about my weight. Uh, while you were pregnant. Yep. So it, it, it was, it was a, a rough pregnancy, not in terms of physically, but emotionally, you and David just were, your disconnect and your divide was growing, was growing wider while you were pregnant. Yeah, I think, I think a couple of com arguments that we had, he was done. Like, he was out. Like, he was, I, I could tell, and again, this is why we're very similar. I'm like a light switch. I'm either on or off. I'm not in between. So if I make a decision that I'm off, it's not happening. Like, I'm not open. David's the same way. If he makes a decision that he's off, he's off. He's done. So, <laughs> Miles is born. How long after Miles was born did you guys stay together? He, so mind you, while we were pregnant, we were not together. Because in terms of like a relationship, he wouldn't call me his girl. We weren't girlfriend and boyfriend at that time. He had decided, no, he had decided that he was not into this relationship, that I was just too disrespectful. I was just too whatever. And basically, he was just living in my house. So, oh, so yeah. you guys, so you guys had broken up while you were pregnant. Basically, I mean, I didn't. I kept on saying like we should work on it, and 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 this is funny. Like in the other podcast, I heard him talk about this period of time, and he says like, I, you know, I kept on trying to you know get with him and this, that, and the other, or whatever. But we were, st he was still living in my house, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm not gonna act like we're not to. I mean, we're we're li living in the same house, and I'm pregnant by your child, like. Right. I would work on it just because of the circumstance. Like, you know, like I have to see you every day. Like, right. So I hadn't, I hadn't turned the switch in my mind because right. but, but he had, he had crossed that bridge he had, already. He had turned the switch. Once I was pregnant, he didn't want to have sex with me. He didn't want anything to do with me. He looked at me like he was disgusted by me. He, um, I remember our mutual friend had a cookout. He didn't want to take me to it. It's like I was hidden. Like I was like a hidden, you know, I was a hidden thing. I begged him to take me to this cookout. He was so nasty to me in the car. I told him I was cold. And mind you, he made me sit in the back. I told him I was cold. And he goes, this is why I don't take you anywhere anyway. This is why I didn't want you to come anyway. And I'm just like, okay. And so a lot of what I did to get through it was just to be quiet. I just got real quiet because everything I did, he terrorized me like, he would scream at me. He would bark at me like, like a dog. And um, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a hard pregnancy. Even like the day that I was, that I actually had Miles, 
I was home. We were home together. He was on his way out. That's the other thing. He would just like leave the house and come back at like 4 a.m. and then 5 a.m. in the morning every every night. Um, and I'd be stuck at home, like just you know, kind of pregnant, and he wouldn't want me to go anywhere with him, or or if we did go somewhere together, it would always end up in a fight. I just always felt like really hidden. So anyway, um, the day that I gave birth, I remember that morning telling him that I was feeling like I was having contractions, you know, it was feeling like cramping, you know, and he's like, no, you know, and I start timing them because you're supposed to time them. So I start timing them and he's like, oh, it's not consistent. You're not, you know, that's Braxton Hicks, it's Braxton Hicks. So I'm like, okay, fine. You know, probably that's true. Like whatever. So like the whole day I'm like, just like cleaning the house or whatever. He was in and out of the apartment or whatever. Towards the evening, it was getting more intense and it was getting more painful. And it was like around 10 p.m. or so at that point. Mind you, by this point, I had been like in labor all day and I didn't really know it because he was telling me that I wasn't in labor. He told me that he had to go to this party. It was an all white party. I remember this because he was getting dressed to go out around 10 p.m. or so. And I'm telling him like, David, I, I'm, I think I'm having contractions. No, you're not. You always do this. I can't get a break. I told you that Braxton Hicks. And I'm like, listen, I just, I lost my plug. I don't know if you remember that, like what that is, but your mucus plug. Listen, three kids deep, I know. Yeah, okay, so you know about the mucus plug. So that happened and I had been like Googling myself, like, you know, how do you know if it's Braxton Hicks or if it's real contractions or not? So I read before it even happened that if you lose your mucus plug and if you throw up, that's a sign that you're, yeah, you're yeah. having contractions. Yeah. Both of those things happened. And, um, and I'm telling him, and I'm like, I'm actually like having pain. Like I'm actually wailing, you know, every, every contraction. Yeah. I'm 37 weeks pregnant. He was getting dressed to go out. And I'm telling him I'm in labor and he's getting dressed. He's going out and telling me, screaming at me that I am messing up his night. And so I said to him, I said, David, I am in labor. You better call the doctor. No, you're not. I said, David, I lost my mucus plug and I threw up. What's that? I never heard of that. That doesn't mean anything. And then I just said, look, this is my phone. Read it. He said, I don't need to read that. I said, call the doctor. He finally calls the doctor. The doctor hears me in the background, every contraction. (sighs) He said, oh, well, she sounds like she's in a lot of pain. She should come in. Because I was having a baby. But it was inconvenient for him because he was going out. Mind you, I was right at 37 weeks, but it wasn't my due date. So that's also probably part of the reason why David just didn't really. It didn't register for him. Which is another sexist thing to do, to not listen to women. He doesn't listen to women. So so it's interesting, right? And not in defense of David, but perception. And I, I, I say this all the time, whether it's racial, whether it's sexual, what have you, perception breeds reality, right? And I found myself saying this a lot, particularly given the climate that we're in from a racial standpoint. We spend an awful lot of time being angry at dolphins that, because they don't understand ego problems, right? And not to discount what you went through and not to discount the frustration of not being heard. But it's also, well, I read in a book that this isn't supposed to happen for another three weeks. Oh, she's being dramatic. Versus, motherfucker, this is the actual situation. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm in. So he, I, ne- he never he never listened to anything I said. He never wanted to hear my opinion on anything. And 
he always thought that he knew right. Even when I presented facts, right. he would refuse to read the facts. He refused to accept the facts. He's very much like Trump. I, 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 I swear to you, like, and I'm not being like crazy, but like he literally is not able to absorb information. Wow. Uh, it, it, uh, and so it, it, it's, it's wild, right? Because I, they, I say even in the course of this year, I've watched the evolution of the man. Like, you know, of Trump, Trump or, or of David? Of oh, David. Trump, Trump, Trump is a lost fucking cause. Um, but I also have not lived with David. I've not shared, uh, you know. I had a baby with him. Right. Like listen, I, I like like we we haven't gone through the body of situations and 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 you know the physicality and emotional situations. Well, the violation, the violation. Like we 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 have not gone through any of it, right? So I can't say that to discredit or or discount your situation with David. I can just say like you know what what I've seen of him. Um, I'll say this: so you deliver miles. Well, David was going to Lamar's classes with you, right? He, he yeah, through? and we only we only were able to do one class because again we thought we had more time. Okay, so you did the one Lamaze class. Yeah, one Lamaze class. He didn't wa really want to go to that, but he did go. He did go. Miles is born. Miles is delivered. You know, a apparently safe and healthy delivery. Yes, very. Miles arrives, and from my understanding, you guys are or well, I guess from what you're saying, David had checked out already. He had checked out, but I think there was there was a very short period of time where maybe about a month or so where we were trying to make something work. Yeah, we didn't we didn't define what it was. You know, I, I would ask him like, "Are you stay? Are you going to stay here? You know, like, are we back together? Are we working on something? Are we moving towards you know being in a relationship? Are we going to work? What are we doing? You know, he would never give me any information." Um, he wanted to be the person who could get all his ducks in a row and then kind of shock me with some information. Or maybe he thought things could work out. I don't know what he thought. He wouldn't talk to me about it. We never really had a very deep conversation about it. Okay. So ultimately he moved out, what, was it eight months? It was, no, it was a year. It was a full year around the time where, um... He wanted to wait. I know he said that he wanted to make sure that he had a bond with Miles and that, you know, Miles knew that that was his father. So he, so I understand that that's what he was trying to do. And I was okay with that. But I just wanted there to be clarity on it. Like, right. because at this point, we were co-parenting, but we were not together. It's like with your ex-wife, you're just living in the house with your ex-wife and co-parenting. Which, which I think you did. Yeah, we, we did that for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. imagine, because you, you're the one who moved out. She moved out. She moved out. So imagine she just not telling you if she's moving out or staying or what. Yeah, for about a year and a half. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I say tongue-in-cheek, but like I get the frustration. Well, so with him, he basically was, I felt like I was a hostage in my house. I think it would have been different if he gave me more information, like, hey, you know, this is the plan. Uh, we're not going to be together, but I want to be here until Miles is one, and then I'm moving out, and I'm moving this place, and this is what we're going to do, and blah, blah, blah. He didn't do any of that. Okay. He, he refused to have the conversation with me. He told me, uh, oh, that's the other thing. Throughout the whole time that he lived in my apartment, he tried to get on my lease so many times. He wanted to get on the lease for a couple of reasons because 
in order for him to get a parking spot in my um, building, you had to be on the lease. So he wanted to be able to park his car in the parking lot. So he made me um, draft this note saying that, you know, he legally lives there and I want him to put be put on the lease, blah, blah, blah. That didn't work. Um, there was a couple other instances where he was just trying to get the lease, get on my lease. Oh, oh, so while I was pregnant, there's a whole other big part. The whole building ended up getting infested by bed bugs. And my apartment was infested with bed bugs too. And you know, that's stressful. I don't know if you ever dealt with that, but that is literally the last thing you want to be dealing with while you're pregnant, going to work full time and going to school four nights a week. So that's the other thing. I was pregnant, going to work, leaving the house at 8 a.m., coming home around 11 midnight, pregnant, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and dealing with this man in my house terrorizing me, insulting me, screaming at me, telling me I'm no good, telling me I don't, I'm not keeping the house up. I'm like, when am I supposed to keep a house up? Then we got bed bugs. So that was very frustrating. So when they came and did the inspection on the bed bugs, they confirmed, you know, that, yeah, we have them. And David starts saying that he's going to get some spray to spray them. And I, and, I, and I said to him, I'm like, no, don't get any spray, one, that doesn't work, and two, I'm pregnant. Right. I don't want any chemicals while I'm pregnant. You're not going to tell me how to do this. I'll get that thing. You can't do nothing about it. I'm going to spray that motherfucking thing, and you ain't going to do nothing about it. I was so terrified because I'm like, he's crazy enough to do that, to find some, like, roach spray and start spraying the house. I'm like, how am I supposed to live in that house? So I remember calling my mom, and I called my sister. I didn't tell my mom a lot of this stuff. I'm like, what am I going to do? What if he goes and, like, sprays the house with this chemicals? And um, anyway, long story short, that was a big stressor. Um, he finally agreed not to do that, and I was able to negotiate that they would do a heat treatment, which is safe, right. you know? And... Um, we had to get the house together. When you do a heat treatment, you have to like pack up everything and all this other stuff. And again, I'm pregnant and in school and working full time. And so I remember telling him that I, I told him, I just want, I want to move out. Like, I don't want to be here. Like I, I don't feel like the building is going to be able to properly deal with the, the bed bugs, you know, it, and if, if you've ever been through it, if you have bed bugs and it's in an apartment building and there's lots of units that also have it. They just migrate it, and it's just, come back. Yeah. It's like whack-a-mole. Like you get rid of it in your apartment, but then the other apartment didn't and then it comes back. And so, and that's actually what ended up happening. So I told him before all that, I was like, listen, you know, why don't we just, you know, move somewhere together, like move out, like. I can break the lease because this is just, you know, crazy, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, why don't you, why don't you move out and I'll just take over your lease. And honestly, I was like, whatever, because I just didn't want to be in this apartment anymore. And at that point, I was living with my mom and sister while, you know, he was like helping to actually get the apartment ready for the treatment. So all that to say that he kept on like trying to get this apartment. And that was another part of him after miles was born he was trying to like wait me out to see if i would leave the apartment so he could take it over and, and I, I just felt like oh my god like what is going on here so ultimately 
You kept the apartment. David moved out. Yes, yes, yes. And oh my God, oh, the joy. It's like the foot off my neck. So now fast forward, Miles is now four. Yes, <laughs> that's right. a big fast forward. <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll, we'll fast forward. So Miles is now four, right? And anybody who's listened to this show has, has heard that you and David have had a difficult time in reaching an agreement and in very many ways, co-parent. You know. and, and you know what? That's not true. So what happened was initially when he moved out and to, to David's credit, he moved very close by. He moved into my same complex just a block away, right. which is so convenient. Um, we initially came up with a custody schedule where it was 50-50, but it was very flexible in terms of I would have miles a couple of days on the weekend he would have some time and then we would switch. So right. each one of us were able to get the same amount of days and also have our weekends too. And that was working very well, you until? know, until I asked him about, I don't know if I brought up child support. Oh, that's another thing. David is terrified of paying child support. He made it clear before Miles was born, you know, that he knows that he knew that exact calculation he would quote it to me all the time, 18% or something percent. And if I have another kid with you, it's just going to be another 26%. And he knows all the laws. He's very litigious. Um, he's always in small claims of court. He's always being sued. He's always suing someone. Again, like I said, he thinks life is a game. And he's, you know, and everyone's against him. And everyone is taking advantage of him. So he ends up in court quite often. So I think I mentioned something about child support to him or something like that that threw him into a rage an absolute rage i knew you'd do this you only want is my money and da, da, da. i'm like okay um so i don't i can't remember exactly what happened but he, he decided that he wanted to make me pay him child support and that he wanted to get custodial custody of miles meaning that miles would live with him and just see me on the weekends or or something like i would just get visitation mind you had i ever tried to do something like that in terms of custody he would have lost his mind he always you know the way i said that he would always say i knew you kicked me out i knew you would have kicked me out he would also say i know you want to take my son I'll be damned you take him. He was always threatening that I was threatening him about taking Miles. And that's literally the furthest of my, I'm afraid of him leaving my son, and he's afraid of his son taken away from him. So there, there, there's obviously a disconnect, Please. complete disconnect Please. in Please. Your, both of your perceptions of the other. Not perceptions of reality. There's his reality. So anyway, he decides to take me to court for custody and for child support. He wants to get full custody of Miles, and I would have visitation on the weekends, and then that would then entitle him to get child support from me. This is what his, he had imagined in his mind. So, it's a, and for clarification's sake, because this is, this is something we've discussed on the show, where it wasn't him seeking custody. Like he, he's reiterated that a few times on the show. It's, he's not le seeking legal custody of Miles. And God, I don't want to 
misquote him or, or misquote what he, he wants to be him. granted custodial parent the custodial custodial parent so that he could avoid paying child support he wanted me to pay him child support the only way that i would in his mind be able to pay him child support is if he was the custodial parent so he indeed wanted to change custody okay and that, that was the actual petition that was filed, was a, a petition for change of, of custodian uh, custody. He, he told the judge that he wanted to have Miles Monday through Friday and that I should get visitation on the weekend. And I know he was doing that so that he would not have to pay child support, which is, again is asinine because he makes twice amount of money that I make. So even if he was the custodial parent, there is no court then would that would make me pay him and if they did it would be Fractional it just doesn't offense. work that way it, it, would be it doesn't work that way so the interesting thing is it depends like the, the calculation is the calculation um but it doesn't depend because we went to court and that they were like laughing him out they were like right. what are you trying to do here you want her to pay you money when she does it she makes three times less than you and so like observationally right what is the breakdown between you and david that this couldn't be a conversation we had a conversation and i told you things were going well for almost a year so and, and here's a question was it hey david i need a little financial help to take care of miles or was it hey david i think i'm going to drag you to court no i didn't want to take him to court because i knew that if i took him to court it would scorch the earth right I didn't want to be in a volatile situation with him. And I, again, a lot of the control is you're so afraid to disrupt the person that you just try not to do things that would be volatile. So I knew that court would be a volatile situation. So I tried to avoid it as much as possible. So I didn't take him to court. He took me to court. Before he takes me to court, I, I set out like, hey, can we come up with a parenting agreement? So I sent him a draft right. and it outlined custody. It outlined some um, child support um, thing, which was less than what I would get if I you know, legally had taken him to court. Can't remember how much it was, but it also discussed like who should claim miles on taxes it was very extensive, right. you know, what birthdays we share, what holidays. It was very extensive. It was, it was something I found online, you know, like a parenting, you know, agreement. I went through, I did all my stuff. I said, here, here goes a draft. Please make your notes. Let's negotiate. Let's do this together. Let's, you know, figure it out. Try to get him to negotiate. Try to get him to discuss it. He wouldn't do it. He said, I'll, okay, I'll get to it. I'll send you something. He sends me a document. It's blank. He was just like biding time to figure out what he was going to do. And I don't know if he got some legal advice or something, but he ended up, the next thing I know, I was being served. I had uh, sheriff's cops come to my job to serve me. How embarrassing. Who does that? So, complete breakdown in communication between the two of you. No, not complete breakdown communication. I was his enemy, and he was treating me accordingly. So, you know, I'll ask you this. Like, what are your expectations for co-parenting with David? So my expectations are that we can be civil. 
but I want it to be more than civil. I want there to be actual input collaboration. I want us to like make a strategy about how we're raising Miles, a black boy in this world. I want, and this is something that Nefertiti said that I really resonated with me and I completely agree with her, is I don't know how to raise a, a black boy in this world at all. And I need to lean on David with that for everything. Like I need David for that. I have no problem with him leading that, lead that because I, I don't know how to do that. And I think that David is a good parent. Do I always agree with some of his decisions? No, but I know they're coming from a good place. So my, my wish is that we can collaborate and see this as a partnership because right now we're, we're doing two separate things. I'm loving on Miles over here and David's loving on Miles over there. There's no coordination. And I don't have any information about what David's vision is as a father, or I don't know what his vision is for this. I don't, I don't want to say family because I'm, I don't think he, he would never include me in his family, but I don't want that. I want, I don't want to be with him, but I want him to view me as a part of his family. Yeah. So, so interestingly, like we're, we're quoting Nefertiri a lot during the, yeah. this conversation. And in our, in our last recording, I said something to David, because it was something I said to my ex-wife. I said, listen, as fractured as our kingdom may be, you are still the queen of this kingdom. I am still the king of this kingdom. We may not be sitting on thrones in unison, but we still have to rule over this broken land together. That's right. We, have to, figure, we have to figure this shit the fuck out. And, you know, I, I, I say this from perspective, because people will see me and my ex-wife together and go, oh my God, you guys get along so well. Or... They'll hear her on, on our show and go, oh, my God, like there's still something between the two of you. You need to be together. And we go, nah, son, <laughs> nah. Like, we have fought tooth and nail to get to where we are as co-parents. Mm -hmm. And there have absolutely been times where we look at each other and go, yo, you know what? I love you. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> and we have absolutely gone six month stretches without talking to each other other than text messages about I am dropping the kids off at this point. I am picking the kids up at this point. Right. But it's both of us getting to the point, regardless of our baggage, regardless of our, our personal damage, our personal issues and our personal animosity, right? It's us getting to the point and going, yo, you know what? These three little motherfuckers did not ask to come here. That's right. <laughs> so whatever our issues are, we got to sort that shit out. And we also got great advice from our, our mediator who said, you know what? The less time you guys spend in court, the better off you, you will be. The less you, the less you involve the court time. system with your lives, the better off you will be and the better off your children will be. Yeah. And, that, and that's a piece of advice that any couple I come across who is going through a divorce or going through a separation or a conscious uncoupling, I put that in front of them. Well, I, I, I'll push back on that because ultimately, so David takes me to court. He does not get full custody. He does not get granted child support. They threw out both of those things. We ended up getting a schedule from the judge that's 50-50. I would have Miles all weekends um, and David would have him, you know, most of the week. And we were doing that and it was fine. And then I ended up getting another job, a second job. So I had two jobs then. And 
my schedule had to change because I had to work on the weekend. So I come to David. Hey, David, need to change the schedule because now I have this second job. It's, you know, it's a career job, but it requires retail. I have to work on the weekend. Can we just change the schedule? And he agrees to it you know, at first, but then he, he's, he got angry about something. I wasn't thankful enough for him making those concessions. So he wanted to punish me. And he was like, I'm not, I'm not agreeing to that. Quit that job. And I'm like, the only reason why I took this job is so that I could help pay for the daycare, you know, cause he kept complaining about the fact that, you know, he was paying a lot of all the more bills than I, than I was. And I'm like, you are, nearly twice my age and you make three times more than me in what world am i paying you and what is the age difference between you and david it's nearly 15 years 13 years yeah and that's another thing he likes he likes young women i think it's more than just about looks he likes to be with people he can dominate and control it's a big part for him you know, so it's about age and it's also about security. I think he likes to be with an insecure girl, woman, you know, so he picks younger women. Um, it was funny because he was saying, oh, yeah, on one of the other podcasts, he's like, yeah, you know, some of those 50, 60 year old women, da, da, da. he might date a woman who looks good in their 50s and 60s. But if they have a head on their shoulders, he's out or they're out. That's the thing. They're out. Because they have some common sense. So, because we, we've been at this for a while. And, um, yeah. like, I had a couple other things, you know, as, we, as we're wrapping up. Yeah. In all of the back and forth that you and David have had, you know, the, the frustrations, the animosity, you know, you, you shared a lot about, you know, his controlling nature or, you know, or the ways you, you felt like he was controlling you. And we've also pulled a lot on, on you know, some of the stuff that Nefertiri said in, in her interview with us, right? And one of the things that she focused on a lot was, you know, the idea of self-actualization and the idea of how you contribute to the situation. Because you can't ultimately control David, right? You can't no, ultimately no. control him or no. his behaviors. So I think one, one of the things that, like, I want to post to you, and I'm sure our listeners will want to hear is, how do you feel you contributed to the situation? How do you feel your behaviors contributed to? to I, I think I was, uh, I had, I was desperate. I think that I was insecure. I think that I was scared. And I don't mean like scared because he was insulting me or abusing me. I think I was just scared in life. I wasn't on firm footing. And you never make good decisions say the right thing when you're coming, when you have that. And, and that's absolutely true. Just and you, it will never work. It will never bring forth your best. Right. And so, and you know, for instance, go ahead. he brought this up and I remember the conversation. I remember I just realized that I was pregnant and I went into a huge panic at that time because I'm like, oh my God, you know, it was really scary to be a mom late in life. I don't know how much he knew about my fear of miscarriage, but I was terrified of miscarriage all throughout the pregnancy. And so that made my energy just really like anxious and like really scared. And, and I was just worried that, you know, something was going to go wrong. And, or I just, I just felt like I felt very out of control. And when I go into that kind of mode, the things that help me are to plan and to, you know, like come up with a plan and strategy and 
those things calm me down. And if I was by myself, I would make my own plans and all this other stuff. But, you know, here's David. He's the father. He's going to be the leader of this family and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, David, what's the plan? Like, what's the vision? Like, what are we doing here? What, you know, are we, how are we saving for college? Like, where do we think this is? What, are we moving to a house? Are we da 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 da? Are we, are we setting up this? Are we, what, what are we doing? You know, I just wanted some, some leadership or just somebody to make me, to say to me that's going to be okay. He wouldn't tell me it would be okay. And I, and I felt like, I felt a couple things. I felt like he wouldn't give me the satisfaction of peace. So, and, and like, I, I get that frustration, especially having dealt with someone and lived with someone and sharing space with somebody who is prone to being anxious and suffers from anxiety. Right? Yeah. I suffer from a lot of anxiety. So right. that, that energy was all me being anxious. Right. So, but, but I, I'll, 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 I'll go back to you and I'll say, right. You were anxious. So there, there are a couple of things that, you know, that I, I want to touch on because without trying to sound insensitive, I asked, you know, what was your contributing factor and it goes back to a David thing versus a you. No, no, no. What I want to say about that is I had extreme anxiety. And so when he didn't give me what it is that I wanted from him, which was just like safety and security, I went off. I did. I did. I did go off. I was disrespectful. I was mean. I'm good at that. So I was holding my own in this. I wasn't getting stepped on and like, you know, in a corner somewhere. Although I, I would quiet myself down after a while. But early on, if I felt like I wasn't getting what I needed, I would lash out, you know. And so I did attack his leadership. I did say that he didn't have a vision. Because I'm like, if I don't hear it, then you don't have it. And so I realize now, the more that I wanted him to do that or show that leadership or or command the, or just make the situation better, the least likely he was going to do it. And it just created this back and forth. And so I would need something. He wouldn't give it to me out of spite or whatever. And then I would lash out. And then that would make him not give it to me even more. So they just kept happening and it's still happening to the day. So with all that, right. And with the back and forth that you guys experienced while you were dating while you were pregnant, and now as co-parents. What have you learned in, in this situation? And, you know, we ask this a lot on, on the show, but if there's anything you could have changed, what would it be? So I would have understood that I can't control him because as much as I say he tried to control me, I guess I was trying to control him I also. I was trying to get him to see my way, to give me things that I needed um so at this point i've relinquished control and now i know there's two things in my life that i can't control right now that's david and corona i can't control those things i made a joke like at least corona will be figured out like at least in two to three years <laughs> <laughs> i mean and, and, and the hope in all this is that you and David will figure some shit out and maybe, maybe it'll take two or three years. And, and, and I say, I say this, you know, it's a constant work in progress. Um, yeah, I was going to add, I was going to ask one last question <laughs> because this has come up on a, a few of our episodes about us and our, and our co-parent. Would you still hit it? 
No, I. But I would have a child with him. So, artificial insemination or good old-fashioned insemination? I would just do good old, just just for purposes of the baby. Because you you want another baby. I did, but actually, that was before. I do not. I'm yeah. I'm very happy with Miles. I. You know, I'm very happy. I want Miles to have siblings. So if David can, you know, make that happen, that would be awesome. That would be way awesome. That's like having a surrogate. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And, like, I would want them to be very close. Like, I want them to be, like, actual siblings. Siblings. But, uh, no, I don't need any. I'm very blessed. Miles is, um, you know, he's not perfect, but he is... He is a delight, and I don't know what I would get the next time. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this one worked out. I'm not rolling the dice no more. Now, yeah. I, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. Yeah, and the reason why I would say that I wouldn't have minded having a child, another child with David, is because we don't parent the same way. But I, I know that he loves Miles, and he's a good father. He. I, I think he thinks I'm a horrible mother. He's told me that he can't wait until Miles finds out that I'm a horrible mother and that can't wait for the day that Miles finds out who you are. So above anything, I would like him to be respectful when he talks to me. I would like him to stop calling me a fat bitch. I would like him to stop bringing up my ex-husband. He sent me a picture of Miles' sock. He said that Miles had on dirty socks one day. That's why your motherfucking husband left you. I'm like, dude, how do dirty socks make you say something like that? Like, there's got to be, like, degrees to it. There's got to be, like, oh, why, where's his backpack? That's why you motherfucking left. He left you. Nobody wants to be with you. And I hope Miles finds out who you are. I'm like, dude, I forgot his book bag. I just want there to be, like, reason to the freak out. <laughs> That's what I want. So, I want me to make a mistake and it not turn into me being the worst mother in the world that my son finds out about and disowns me. Like, I, I just want there to be, like, a step before that. <laughs> and so but that, that goes to the, the David and the David control point, right? Right. I just kind of want <laughs> not to feel terrorized about um, being a mom because it's hard enough already to be a mom. Right. But if you felt like every single time you you did anything wrong, that somebody would scream at you and call you a fat fucking bitch and this, that, and the other, every single time you forgot to tie someone's shoelaces, it is a mind fuck. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. So, you know, I, I, I think we're just going to shut it down at this point. Right? Shut it down with that. Let's shut, it, let's shut it down with that, right? I mean, like, but honestly, Clark, like, you're hearing this, what I'm saying to you, and I'm sure you had not heard this before, and I'm not asking you to believe what I'm telling you, but if what I'm telling you is true, what is that? Is that normal? Yeah, I'll say this, right? The same thing I said in, in the beginning of this. It's, you know, there is one side of the story, there's another side of the story, and the truth lies somewhere in between. You know, perception breeds reality, Yeah. right? Perception absolutely breeds reality. And you know, you you shared a lot. You sh- you shared a lot. You you've been candid. You've been honest. You've been you know raw with your emotions. 
And you know, we David and I have talked about having our our former partners on and our co-parents on since we started doing this show. And you know, I, I want to thank you for having the courage to come on and share. He's not going to let this air. He's not going to let this air. Yeah, I. He's going to let it air. Okay. He's going to let it air. I'd be shocked. I was shocked. And that's the other thing. He kept on saying, oh, she'll never agree to come to the show. He never asked me. He never asked me. He doesn't want me to be on the show. I'm shocked. Well, he gave me the number, and you responded very quickly. I certainly did. Because I didn't want him to change his mind. <laughs> yeah. So as, as we're wrapping up, yeah, I want to give you an opportunity, like, if you want to share how people can find you uh, on social media, if you want to share it at all. Um, or plug anything you're working on, you know, your, your, your um, business or what have you. Yeah, so I, I have my own interior design business. Well, actually, I shut it down because um, I had this new job. Um, finally got a job in my industry after a long period of time, you know, getting back on my feet. And then this corona stuff happens, so that's another story. But anyway, um, I'm on Instagram at Biba K Design. And, Spell it out for them. B is in boy, I, B is in boy, A, K, design.com. And um, you'll see tons of pictures of Miles on there. That's all I use it for. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I have a website also that's bbakdesign.com. And that's where you guys can reach me. And I really appreciate your time. And I know I laid a lot on you. That's heavy stuff. And, um, and I, I actually, I'm a, I'm a fan of the show. I have to say, I didn't have high expectations of it, but when I was listening, you guys have something good going. Wow. It's you. good. It's good. It's a good vibe. It's a good rapport and it's, it's needed. It's needed. I, I didn't understand the concept before I was angered by it before, but now I get it. And I, I, I like it. It's good. Uh -oh. Thank Good. you. That, 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 that is an absolute stamp of approval yeah. that I'll wear with honor. So thank you, Beaver, for coming on. Thank you for sharing. And um, I'll close out by you know, saying how I always do. Ladies, gentlemen, consenting adults, thank you for joining us for another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad? We appreciate your support. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, follow us on all the podcast formats. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. We're everywhere. Single dad, why you mad? So that's it. The end of part two. Clark and David want to thank Habiba for coming on the show and sharing her perspective. Please check the single dad, why you mad IG page for follow-ups to this episode, including a go live feed with David. Until then, please write, review, subscribe, and follow us wherever you social media. Single dad, why you mad? 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 Single dad, why you mad?